Welcome to the heartland of America, as the World Wrestling Federation presents the first ever King of the Ring extravaganza. Tonight, eight of the toughest superstars of the WWF will bang heads in a grueling single elimination tournament to determine once and for all who is the King of the Ring. Attorneys number 14. I'm your host, Sam DiMaggio, and with me, per usual, Dan Rice. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Sam. I think this is a perfect representation of what this kind of podcast this is. We're doing this right during WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. Yes, yeah, this is the middle of night two of WrestleMania 39. Yep, that sounds right. So we're talking about something completely different. We're talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 1992. A, I don't know, legendary tournament doesn't seem to quite fit the bill. A tournament. Sure, there we go. Dan, you kind of threw this out there as as a possibility the dms and like 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 we usually do what drew you to this tournament why did to talk well, about for this episode this tournament is i think we talked about it in the the j cup episode um that the super j cups and the king of the death matches were my first uh tape trading experiences and then i was giving some comp tapes but i i didn't have a lot of money when i first got into it. i was really young i was like sixth grade or something i don't know and so what I what I do a lot, what I spend a lot of my free time doing was reading results, like reading tape traders lists, like, oh, this guy has this show, this guy has this show. And I would make impossibly long wish lists of like, maybe I can get my mom to send this five hundred dollar, you know, cashier's check in the mail to the stranger. And I'll get all these tapes. And this one was one that was on my list for the longest time because it has all these new Japan heavyweights who I don't really know, but it has the WCW guys who I do know. So I was like, this is the perfect world, and I got it, and I remember adoring it, thinking it was great. Memories, you know? Yes. Memories. All right. Well, I can't say I have any history with this tournament when you sent it over. I was like, okay. I remember TJ Hawk reviewing this years and years ago for his for 411 Mania when that was, I would say, a more relevant website. 
it also pivots nicely off of our WCW Nintendo Top 10 Challenge. Yes, lots of the same, lots of familiar faces, let's say. Yes. It was, this is a tournament, okay, from 1992. It happens between August 7th uh, or August, yeah, August, was it August 7th or August 6th? I now don't have the date pulled up in front of me. August you do. 6th is the first date. August 6th through August 12th. So it is a not one night tournament. It is a um, 16 person tournament, technically speaking, across six days. So that is, you know what? Not a lot of wrestling to happen tournament wise in that case. Usually these, these things kind of transpire over at max three nights. We're dealing with 16 people. So this is, they're stretching this one out. I will also say with it being single elimination, it was in my, my mind, an easier G1 for us to get through. Which, you know what? In theory, great idea. Great thoughts. Love the, love the hustle there. In reality, this took us a full month to get through. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that and more on this episode. Now, let's get into the lineup here. As we said, there's going to be a lot of familiar faces from the Nintendo Top 10 Challenge. This tournament, again, like Dan mentioned, is not the G1 Climax of today. This is a single elimination, 16-person tournament for the newly reinstated NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So, there is a lot going on here, especially... It's just a lot going on here, all things considered. So, lineup is as followed. Uh, Steve Austin, Bam Bam Bigelow, Keiji Mudo, Masahiro Shono, Rick Rude, Shinya Hashimoto, um, Hiroshi Hase, Jim Neidhart, Arn Anderson, Scott Norton, Barry Windham, Tony Holm, Super Strong Machine, the Barbarian, Terry Taylor, and Kensuke Sasuke. Um, Dan. I mean, you would conservatively say half of that field are all-timers. Like, no, I think no matter who you are, there's probably eight guys on that list that you consider some of the best of all time. Yeah. You think that's fair to, you think that's fair to say? It's close. Yeah. yeah. Let's say. Yeah, I mean, give, give or take. Like, there, there, it has some, some real heavy hitters on it. Yes. No matter yeah. where, no matter which angle you come at it from. Yeah, I would say like for the most part, all the tournaments we watch, very few are occupied. Where I would say, okay, twenty five percent of the field are folks that would make my greatest wrestler ever battle, which would be the case, I think, in this instance. That's that's a high bar, and I think this tournament's like okay. And then there are people that I historically have appreciated or liked to some extent, like a Scott Norton. Or the Barbarian. Folks are like, okay. On any given night could put together a fun performance that I'm going to enjoy. Now, there's also guys that we have not liked in tournaments in the past. We have Terry Taylor and Tony Houghton. Two guys that have, we have pinpointed as weak links of past episodes. Yes, yeah. So there are some folks that do stick out as, okay, these are, these are pitfalls. 
as we entered here this evening. I was like, okay, looking at the lineup, this is this is interesting and puts into some context Tony's history in Japan and his trajectory landing in rings later on, two years later. But let's just let's just hop into it, Dan. Let's do it. August six. First matchup, Steve Austin versus Arn Anderson. First up, I also did not realize how the shows were divided up or how things were labeled on the files that we were watching. So I started out and I was watching a Hashimoto match and then realized, you know what? That's not part of this tournament. Unhelpful. <laughs> Moving on in my life. So there is a, there's a lot of wrestling that are happening on these days, just not maybe percentage-wise a lot of tournament action. Steve Austin versus Arn Anderson. Dan, what are your thoughts here? I thought I might have immediately made a mistake in recommending this tournament. Mm, okay. I this this felt perfect for the Nintendo Top Ten Challenge. It's two great guys, two all-time favorites of mine. They would if I made a top one hundred list, they probably would both find their way on there. And there's nothing wrong with the match. It's just incredibly boring. I think. It I mean, is would like you agree with the that? worst level of effort you can give for a C show. WCW match. Yes, it's it's like it feels like a house show match. Like if like you know it's but it's not. It's in the G1 climax for the NWA championship. And I mean, you thought you think it'd be a big deal, but they do not treat it like it is. They treat it like yeah, no one that's going to be cheering for us next week in Atlanta is going to give a flying fuck about how we do in this matchup. Why does this matter? Let's get it over with and move on in our lives. Now, I think there's been some talk from Austin about this match in the past of either jet lag or hangover. Both which impossible. Explain a lot about it. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because my first note is now this is a scrumptious matchup. And my goodness, was I just let down. Unbelievably so. Uh, yeah, my first note is uh Dangerous Alliance stablemates. I don't know if I've seen this matchup before outside of this. So like, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder how this is gonna go. It's like not interesting at all. The, you know, that the first lockup is the most interesting thing about it, and then just nothing after that. Yeah, you would think, hey, all the stars are aligning. We're in for a heck of a heck of a tournament in front of us. Like, I, I'll let you know. I actually didn't write down the finish. So I'll tell you. I don't remember what the finish is. I know Austin goes over. I can't. Yeah, but I can remember my sort of note. My, my last line here in my notes. I'm sorry if we always go over our notes, but we got them written up. We're going for it. We're just like, boom, this is the, what's sticking in the old cranium here. I'm not sorry. I'm going to print them up and sell them someday. Uh, sorry, eyes glazed over. <laughs> Austin wins with a spinning drop into the ropes. That looks real shitty to take. It looks really cool, Dan. For, okay. It's the likely the coolest thing about this matchup. Okay, that's a low bar. But at the same time, you're like, I don't know in any other world that could be a finish. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't it's, know. Dan. What is it like? Eight eight minute match or something? Yeah, it's short. I the first we talked about taking a month to watch this. The first night I sat down, I watched just this, and I was like, no, not tonight. So we're not enough for a great start, Dan. No, you really no, set us on sure. a, a trajectory here. Next match. 
Bam Bam Bigelow versus Scott Norton. Dan, what are your thoughts? Now, this could be a similar thing because I'm excited. I'm like, both these guys fucking rule. I know a guy who looks exactly like Bam Bam Bigelow minus the flame tattoos, and he sells stolen hot water tanks. So if anyone needs to look up, there you go. And so I'm like, I'm excited. Let's see where this goes. And it's kind of awesome. Um, It's just like real hard hitting. Uh, There's a couple lariats that uh, Bam Bam hits Norton with that Norton just like, it seems to shoot, try try not to go down, which is really cool. You get the Bam Bam uh, cartwheel taunt, which I always love. And then out of nowhere, like in the first round of this tournament, Norton goes to the outside and gets busted open huge. It's just a crimson mask, and he's working from underneath from that point on. And it's, it's just really cool to see Norton from underneath, and like his hope spot is like big Haas shoulder tackles. Um, I think, I, you know, one critique, I didn't love the power slam as a finish. I think the Larry would have been even better, but I think he dodges, he dodges the Larry and then hits with the power slam. But I, I love this. I thought this was awesome. Would have been way better to start with this. Yeah. This is way better than it has any right to be. I'm not a Bam Bam fan. I, th- I think I'm not a Bam Bam fan. It feels like I've watched the wrong stuff. Because I do watch matches like this. Where he does a cartwheel away from Scott. And I'm like, flicks him off. Yeah, and I'm like, hell yeah. That's yeah. what I'm here for. That's what I want. And it's not even that good of a cartwheel. It's fairly bad. He That is not a 10 out of 10. I can tell you, we talk, always talk about our notes. In the future Mudo match, I go, now that's a cartwheel. Now that's a cartwheel, brother. <laughs> but that gusher real it goes a long way. It, I'm not saying it does all the work for this matchup. But it's it's doing some heavy lifting here. It's, and it's just like I said, first round of a tournament is just you're not you're not expecting that. At least I'm not. Like it, it caught me way off guard. Uh, Scott Norman's not expecting it as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. To be clear, and, uh, this is not a this is a shoot, brother. This is not. This is hard way. Yeah, because but it's one of those things where I wonder, like, did they change the match structure after the hard way, or is that always the plan? Because from that point on, he's he's take or Bam Bam's taken eighty percent of the match. You know what? Who knows? Who yeah. knows? I want to say probably not. This is probably more or less the design. Yeah, I like the have lofty dreams. I think they called it. Called it in the you ring. I think these like, two wait. meatheads were just like, we are hyper aware of our of what's going on here. Let's switch it up on the fly. Yup, damn, more power to you. Yeah. More power to you. Yeah, the match kind of rocks. Match kind of rocks. That comes out of nowhere. There's gonna be no more blood throughout this tournament, really. Yeah, that was it. So I that's this is also why we're saying I we need to stay up front. This is not a match that really gives any indication what this tournament is gonna be about. Yeah, if, I, if you like this, you have no more of this. Yes, I did think, hey, wow, this term is going to start whipping here pretty soon. Slash, when we get late in the game, it's just going to be a bonanza. It's good. This is a good match. There's lots of power slams in this tournament. We'll, we'll keep talking about these power slams. Yeah. Uh, I thought the power slam rocked, personally. Okay. Um, one of the top two on this. On these shows. Ooh. All right, all right. I like the power slam. I just there's a lot of shitty Lariat. power slams. I, I, pref- I prefer on these, Lariat on these shows as well. I think that might be coloring your perception of the power slam is all the other power slams you have to look at in this tournament. Well, I did immediately say, anywho, Norton hits a hum 
humdinger of a Pirates okay. fan. I was okay. immediately on the humdinger train. When I'm <laughs> saying a humdinger, Gorgina. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Next up, KG Mudo versus Barry Windham. Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind here a little bit. I okay. really like this match. Oh, that is blowing my mind. I dug so much. The opening grappling that Barry's putting on Little Mudo here is mm, Chef's Kiss. It's it's really good. I actually I have I didn't hate this either. I, I just don't know if I loved it, but I, I had that written down. This is not the boring mat work you think of from New Japan heavyweights or lightweights. You know, it's it's good. And they're both so freaking fast. I think part of that is probably because I've been watching over the last couple of years too much of like broken down 80-year-old Muda. But yes. he, he's so fast here. And like, you know, I haven't I haven't watched Barry Windham Barry Windham match and I couldn't tell you how long. And he he was really good here too. Windham's so good. Yeah. Unbe- unbelievable. He is a generational talent. Every time I watch him, I'm like, man, I actually don't know how much I like this match. He's so fucking good. But this, this one is, is like, hey, I really fucking like this match. This is cliche, but like Barry Windham's punches. Yes. Just chef kiss. Chef kiss. Yeah. So good. He just, he moves like you want a wrestler to move. I, I know it sounds so dumb, but just like the, the pure mechanics of someone moving around the ring. It's why I fucking hate a Johnny Gargano or <laughs> an Adam Cole, where they just, the way they move irritates me to a degree. I could put more thought into it of like, hey, there's a specific way they move that I don't feel justifies their actions as a professional wrestler, but I do not care enough to go that far, and I would like to just say it does not make me feel good. It is not – my eyes hurt watching it. Would rather not. By and large, Barry Windham's the complete opposite. Just, ooh, every step he takes, every breath he takes, I'm watching him. Yeah, this felt like kind of like the ideal of this of this tournament, what you're going to get in the first round, what you would want in the first round. Yeah. As, as far as the mixture of the New Japan and WCW talent, this worked really well with, um, you know, Muto going over, of course. Yes. Yeah. And that's um, the other thing is that, the, I mean, even though I'm not deep in 92 New Japan right now or WCW, like, it, you know, the, the finish is never really in doubt. You know who's winning this one, and it was still... It was still great. Yeah, and this definitely feels like Mudo is constantly trying to put together his combo to get the win. And Barry's just like, no, we're not going to do that. This is my match. And then eventually, obviously, A-B-A-B-A-B, and it's done. Mudo wins. Handspring elbow into the corner, and then a moonsault. Bada bing, bada boom. Next up... Masahiro Chono versus Tony Holm. Dan, what we got going on here? I don't know if you remember. I believe in the Rings episode, I called Tony Holm a bitch. Yes. I he's a, he's a he's passed away. I just you know RP. I'm talking ill of the dead. I hated him. I thought he tried to single handedly ruin that tournament, and I adored this. This was amazing. This was almost a Tony squash. Like, he beats the shit out of Chono for, like, the first 10 minutes. And Chono is selling great. And Tony has all this charisma. He's, like, talking shit to the crowd, um, telling him to kiss his ass. And, like, he will th- he'll 
get Chonos in the ring and he'll just wait. He'll he's fine winning by count out, standing in the ring, just being like a total ass kicking asshole. And this was like shockingly great in my mind. This match? How did you feel about it? This match was shockingly great. You didn't like this match? I did not. Oh my god. I did not. I think Chon I don't like Chono. I think he's a bad professional wrestler. Full stop. This does not improve that stock. It feels like it is an attempt at an Inoki versus Foreigner tribute. A monster Foreigner tribute. And he's just not that good at it. And Tony, not great. He's a, He is much slimmer than 1994. Let me tell you, there's a lot of life that gets had between now and that rings tournament. I just think it, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work. I'm a, I'm on a whole different planet. I think I thought Chono was selling his ass off. I thought everything Tony did, I thought looked great. Like he does the, he sends Chono in the corner and does a sweet, like cross body to him. Um, just everything he hit, I thought looked good. And this is the man I, I have, I think I've maybe said I hated before. You have contempt, contempt for. Yeah. I almost wanted him to go over. That's saying uh, something. Fair yeah, like I, like I know, I know where this tournament's headed. I know the finals, and I was like, it'd be cool if Tony went over here. Might, uh, might as well have him win it, you know. And then you get the. I do say I, I don't know why Tony doesn't win with the STF. He has him in the STF, and then he turns it into an arm bar for some reason. You know, he's a submission artist. Yeah, it just all. feels like this tournament wants to build up the STF, and like you could have done it right here. But man, that, that's my only little nitpick. I, I loved it. Different. I don't know. I was gonna say different boats for different floats, but that doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> it's whatever. It's whatever. We're definitely feeling. Let's, we're we're gonna see how these emotions continue throughout this. Yeah, this we're, tournament. We're on opposite sides. That's that's night. That's the first half of. Round one. That's night one. Yeah. Night two now. August 7th. They switch it up. This is not pro shot based on the footage we have. Yeah, we have a fan cam. We have fan cam. So I I have no idea if in reality, like, this is how it was where there was no, like, televised footage of round two. Well, not even round. I mean, round uh, uh, night two. Yeah. Which seems odd because it's. You know, tournament matches. You'd think you'd tape at least the four tournament matches. You would think. Not so. Not so. All right. First up, though, Rick Rude versus Super Strong Machine. Dan, I have very little here. My thoughts were like, I don't know. It's. I don't even know if I can say it's okay, but it is such a non-match to me. It has no, nothing that sticks. I did say, you know, going to the famous notes, I think I should apologize to Sam. I agree. Uh, this, yeah, okay. Yeah, this, I mean, I actually, had, again, high hopes where I'm like, man, Rude and Medusa are such a good act. Like, they just look great together. Um, Rude starts off with some nasty headlocks. I mean, you get a Rude atomic drop cell into a suplex, but that's that's basically all you get, and it's a 12-minute match. Yeah, okay. Dan, I don't think we're going to dwell on this one. You're you, how are you feeling? You feeling like you've made a good choice this year? Just this year? Well, no, this particular tournament choice. This no. is a month of your life, really, when you think about it. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. 15 matches, 30 days. 15 matches, 30 days, 30 yeah. nights. All right. Um, right. Let's move forward. I like a top rope knee drop, though. Yes. Yeah. That's a cool finish. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, he moved away from the swinging neckbreaker for his tournament in general. I want to say, for the record, it takes two to tango. If Sam says no to all my choices, I never, like, bring it up again. But then I have pick, and that's just... That's not <laughs> then you're play. stuck with me complaining. Yeah, yeah so that exactly, works. exactly. You, you, you did pick the next one. I did pick the so, next one. We're okay, going to talk about we'll that a little bit. Yeah, a little uh, bit a little later. I've got to pull it up before I actually say anything. Shinya Hashimoto versus The Barbarian. Speaking of it being a month, this is weird because I have on here, and I don't know what this is speaking of, I listened to a podcast where someone didn't get Hashimoto recently. I don't know what that podcast is, but that is insane. I have no idea what you could be referring to. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? It was the Voices of Wrestling guys. Well, yeah. Yes. It was Joe. Joe doesn't get Hashimoto. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I love Hashimoto, and I have enjoyed Barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. An all-timer in Barbarian, who's also... A seashow stud, as it were. I I don't have any strong feelings towards this match. I thought it was okay. Like I, I don't think this is bad by any means. Like I I generally felt like, okay, I have thoughts on this. It's not completely losing me. It's just not rising above a certain level here. This one, I was almost wondering if it was almost a, a language barrier thing or a just the unfamiliarity with each other because it's just, it never really got going. It, I think every minute of the match could have been the first minute of the match. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to put it. It feels like, okay, we're constantly shifting from first to second and back just kind of repeatedly. Yeah. And both these guys have a good third gear and further. Yeah. And we, we just don't get it at all. And then you get um, it quick. That's the difference. Like they don't need yeah. more than five minutes, frankly, to get in the third gear, but they just couldn't catch any momentum with each other. No. Yeah. If you told me this was a five minute, you know, bomb throwing guns a blazing match, I'd be looking forward to it. Instead, it's about 11, 12 minutes of just kind of feeling each other out. And, uh, I think, I think Hashimoto sells great. He doesn't get a lot to sell. So, I mean, it was just, it's just, it's kind of like all the way, like, it's just fine. Just fine. Yeah. Okay. No, I think we're on board. We're all doing it. We're all here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We should get finished here. Barbarian does hit a power slam for the record. <laughs> but Hashimoto hits the spinning wheel kick, but then immediately gets up to hit the jumping DT. That's the W. We're moving on. We're moving on. And this is the next one, um, where it's supposed to be Hiroshi Hase uh, versus Terry Taylor. But I have no background, really, for this other than um, Hase has to forfeit. Yeah, he's injured, I believe. Um, It is weird, because like we said, these are taking place over such a long period. And it's on a show full of other wrestlers, some of who aren't in the tournament. But they don't replace them. They just go, okay, Terry Taylor. You get to go to the second round. Probably the only way Terry Taylor gets to go to the second if round. Truly, truly. Yeah. He does not. I do not think he makes it. <laughs> if he is. No, there's, there's no way the plan was 
Taylor over Hase. <laughs> yeah, that is not the direction this is heading. For sure. For sure. All right. We're, we're moving. We're grooving. We're doing things. Jim Nyart versus um, Kinsuke Sasaki. Uh, how am I pronouncing this? Dan, you hit me. Kinsuke, Kinsuke Sasaki. Perfect. Beautiful. Is that right? Sure. Okay. I, have- I had yeah. real reservations going into this one. Okay. I love Kinsuke in 05. I don't know that I would have I rewatched it, but that was really, I mean, you discussed on what started this all, the Desert Island tape. Like, I was real in the Noah and the Kinsuke office stuff, but I don't think a lot of it ages well, and I think younger him probably ages even worse, and I've never been a Neidhart guy. But I thought this was shockingly pretty fun. Um, starts off hot and quick, and uh, I don't know why. I really, really enjoyed Kinsuke putting a sharpshooter on Jim. That popped me. Um and we're all talking about it. That is the one note I have on this match, really. <laughs> I thought, I mean, it's funny. It's like the other side of fine for me from Hashimoto Barbarian. Like, this is sure. just on the other side where it's it's just enough to be fun. Like, I'm not going to say it's going to, you know, knock your socks off. But where Hashimoto Barbarian, kind of your eyes will glaze over. I think this keeps you interested for the, you know, 10 minutes it's on. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't know if um, Saki realizes what he's doing. Did that sharpshooter? I was like, does he know? Oh, it seems like he has. I don't think he had any idea. Yeah, he's like, I'm just doing a move. This is me. Shout out to Sting. <laughs> oh. Um, Saki wins with a big power slam, guys. Another big power slam. That's where that's the track record we're going with here. All right, Dan, you ready for night three, round two? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, August tenth. Um, first one up, Kensuke Sasuke versus Terry Taylor. My first note, Taylor is an ugly fuck. Dan, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I think I tried to defend Terry Taylor a little in the previous tournament, the Nintendo Top Tim Challenge. I'm not going to do it here. Um, shouldn't have done it then. I shouldn't have done it then. Uh, <laughs> 1992, Kensuke Sasaki doesn't strike me as a guy who can drag terry taylor to anything enjoyable and he doesn't here um there actually there actually was a point where i'm like oh this is getting good it was the final 30 seconds the finish the finishing run was pretty good um terry taylor steps on him goes to the top eats some uh kinsuke knees and i was like oh we got some life going here and then the match was over and i was like okay that that feels about right he has some Uh, life here yeah and it was nothing 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 another nothing match to add to this tournament yeah, it is. It's not good. Like a lot of what I, I I have written down here is a reference to Terry doing things that are slow and moves that need like he has a doctor bomb at one point. It is the lowest angle you could possibly do it at. It is the least amount of effort you could put into it. It looks like he's setting the person down. So it's like, oh man, what are we? What are we doing here? There is just no effort by this man whatsoever. I mean, at this point, he is a 10-year vet, at least. I don't know when Terry Taylor started, but I'm going to guarantee at least 10 years before this. And he's pretty awful in it. Yes, absolutely. Sucks, but I don't know how to describe this finish, Dan. Do you want to take a stab at it? I'm going to be honest. I didn't write it down, so I don't remember it. Okay. I remember the I remember the knees. I remember he... Terry ate the Kinsuke knees and they got up and they went to the finish. That's what I have written down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Kinsuke, he hits a power slam. Okay. Yeah. 
Remember that. Remember that. Power slam. Big move. Big move. 1992. Invo. I didn't know if I remembered that or if I just put that in because there's a lot of this. It happened. Yeah. Okay. And then he hits uh, a judo-ish throw. I wouldn't just I wouldn't call it specifically a judo throw. Judo-ish. Where he just looks like he's about to yank Terry's arm off. And he gets the win off that. Okay. That Rings a, a bell. It rings a bell. I, I yeah. mean, I'm sure that I watched it, was confused, and was like, okay, next match. There we go. There's nothing about this match would want, make you want to rewind the re- to catch something. I there's lots of matches we review where I'm like, I got to see that again. What was that? There's, there's nothing they could have done where I was rewinding. I was ready to go to the next match. Um, we're moving on. We're done. We're done. Okay. Moving on that case. Gagey Mudo versus Steve Austin. Dan, where are we at? Steve Austin. Um, to tell you how long we took to watch this tournament, when this match popped up, I was like, oh, yes, yeah, Steve Austin is in this. <laughs> like, it was already out of my mind. It felt so long ago. Um, again, it's just Steve apparently did not want to be in Japan. Um, you think this would be a match he's up for? I mean, this is a big spot. It's it's a long match. It's some would say twelve minutes too long. Um, a lot of mat work that goes nowhere. A lot of two men seeming pretty bored. I mean, did you like this match more than me? I like this match more than you. Oh, okay. not by like significant margins. Maybe we would end up just thinking saying the same like numeric value. We just have a different spin on it. It was just so long. I. I didn't mind it. I didn't think it was that. I didn't think it was that long. Maybe I'm just okay. misremembering it. Okay. And I think Austin not being totally up for it did work in its favor to some degree, in that it felt like um, Muda was out cardioing him. Like it felt like okay, Austin's stronger. He can. He understands how to wrestle. Like he can do the, the grind away stuff. But Muda's just he's hustling. He's just moving and grooving. And as the match, as we get towards like the back half of this match, it's like, okay, Muno was maybe on the same step as Austin. And he's clearly not a step or two ahead. Like nothing Austin's doing is going to fucking make sense right now. I don't know. I I thought it was all right. I I don't think I thought it was good, but it was better than I It is really funny just because, again, you know, Mudo stayed around a decade too long to watch because I mean, he's just, he is so much energy and he is outpacing Austin, which is just funny to think about. But yeah, this is, this, this was not for me. At this point, I don't even know how I can explain the finish because my writing doesn't make any sense. Mudo wins the moonsault. Plain That's it. Let's just keep it there. I was going to say, I wrote down moonsault. So, I mean, I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah um, I think like, did he hit the did he hit the bulldog and then the moonsault? There's a backbreaker in there. I just oh, okay. don't freaking remember. There's no, something no, no. that he, happens. He hit him uh, with the the super Frankensteiner, right? Did I make that up? I think he made it up, but who knows? Oh, I thought they were both up top and then a moonsault, but maybe not. Maybe not. And that's what that's that's why I want to review to be. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's get going to the next one. Chono versus Scott Norton. Dan. Oh, man, I have to get out of order. 
you did this out of order? Or I, did this, I don't know. Someone did it out of order, but but I'm I'm fine. I can I can keep you're, up. You're professional. I'm professional. I like it. I I like this. I'm gonna guess you didn't. Um, I like I like Chono selling. Um, he's desperately trying for the sub against Norton, and I think everything Norton hits looks good. Um, yeah, I really like this. I like the he's not able to submit. Uh, Norton, so he ends up winning with the cradle out of the octopus hold, and I thought this was pretty good. I would agree. I thought this oh, was okay. pretty good. I was I right. Think... I was ready for you to hate it. All right. This is uh, all thanks to our man Scott Norton doing the Lord's work, doing both the selling and the impactful offense. So really, just a one man show here. All things considered, Chono's along for I... the ride. I was already a Norton fan just from like memory. And it's like he he's one of the ones out of this tournament where I'm like, I I might if I see old Scott Norton pop up, I'm gonna watch it. I mean everything he hits look looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then like I love the cell when he's doing the bear hug and he has to let go because he's like, oh my ribs. Gotta Yeah. Gotta quit this one. The finish I at first thought sucked pretty bad. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I just think the execution is a little a little lacking conceptually. I dig it, but just when the way they roll back, it's just, it's sloppy as heck. And I'm not usually keen on being like, okay, I don't care about slopper crispness, but when it comes to like the ref clearly counting before things are stable, it's just like, what's going on here, guys? Give See, them yeah, two I, seconds to get this right. I had that same thought where it's like, I didn't know maybe if he thought Norton wouldn't like that or what the issue is, but I'm like, why, why are you counting already? This is clearly, like I don't mind two guys kind of crumpling down together, and yeah. then, you know that you know that adds a, a level of realism to it. You know I can get into that, but then when they go, they fell to the ground. I couldn't tell you what was going on totally at first, and the ref already counted one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I would agree with you on that point. Yeah, uh, but not I enough think, for like, hey, I hate it as much yeah. as it was at first. I think this was actually the main event. I think they main evented with Chono again, brother. And, let me tell you, I. Would not begin to grasp. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Okay. You're correct. Both I the file I was looking at I think was incorrect, and then oh, okay. the listing on Gage Match was incorrect. When you look at the tournament page, correct. When you obviously look at the card page, all over the place. All over the place. Next up. Shinya Hashimoto versus Rick Rude. I didn't think this was particularly good. But it was a fun novelty. That's kind of where it tops out at. Uh, this is obviously a clash of styles with Hashimoto and Rude. About as, I don't know, almost, I, I feel like saying as unique a performer as you're really going to get for Hashimoto is maybe a little too much, but he he brings intangibles that very few wrestlers do and allows him to wrestle in a way that very few wrestlers do. It's like Rick, Rick Styles Rude. Clash is overrated, but that is 100% what this is. Yep. Like, not, not overrated, overused, but this is 100% what this is. And so the it, issue is that neither of them really adjust their style too much. Like, Rick is working how Rick works. It doesn't matter that he's in Japan. And Hashimoto's like, I'm going to kick him as hard as I want. I don't care. You know? That he's gonna goofy sell it. Yeah, like Rick, Rick, Rick Rude's like the ultimate American wrestler. 
just playing to the cheap seats at all at all costs. So it's uh, whatever. I think novelty is like a really great way because this is one that I would almost say you should watch it. It's not great. But like if you are a fan of either of these guys, I think it's worth a watch because it is kind of interesting. Um, but they do not click. It does not really work. Um, there's nothing. There's no meat on the bones. You know what I mean? I get you. Uh, I like the there's the, another top rope DDT, right? And the top rope knee drop. I mean, I really like them putting over Rude's finishers. Yeah. I mean, good good for a tournament. Yeah, the finish is is gnarly. The top row DVT, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? After the match they just had, I'm not sure why they would go that hard, but they did. Yeah, it doesn't seem to fit at all, but it's really cool. <laughs> it was like, hey, man, if you had brought that level of thought or care to adjusting your style to match that move. Cool. Like, I want to know what they talked about in the back was like, okay, at one point I'm definitely going to swivel my hips a whole bunch. And Hashimoto's like, okay. He's like, and then at the end, I want to eat you from the top rope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, I don't really see how they all work together, but it's it's, like I said, it's really cool. And, you know, I love, I love both those moves and, you know, sets up more stuff for down the line. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. Night four. Night four. Semifinals. Semifinals. August 11th. Dan, tell me what matches for since I have these out of order. I'm assuming I, believe I have this out of order Rick, too. Rick Rude versus Sasaki. That makes sense. Rick Rude versus Sasaki. I, I think Chono main events. Everything. Everything that he does, yes. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, I like this match conceptually a lot. I do not like this match in actuality a lot. Dan, what are your thoughts? Uh, that's kind of the same way where it's almost like I almost pref- it, it makes me prefer the Hashimoto match because Hashimoto just did his own thing where it seems like Kinsuke was like, OK, I'll try to do what Rude wants me to do. Like, I ah, will figure this out we'll and we'll it figure work. it out. Like you said, but they do not figure it out. <laughs> Dan, they don't figure it out. They never at any point figure it out. And it's it doesn't feel I'm not it, like I said earlier, I thought the Austin Muda match felt wrong. This is like 20 minutes. I don't want to say it dragged. It felt horribly long it but but they have 20 minutes and they don't figure it out so i can't i can't give it too high of a rating i i like both these guys i think some of the stuff they do is fine but you should not watch this it, it seems like a lot of rude is like also like oh we're gonna go 20 i don't want to do that i'm gonna sit down here with this hold on for a few minutes to shave some time off that yeah like, a lot of this is rude Taking back work. At least that's like the first half of this match. Yeah. The back half, I don't know what decisions they make. But to your point about the time of this match, when we're talking about it's coming close to that 20-minute mark, maybe more. I don't know at this point. My my brain is warped. But he, they just don't seem to have any ideas. Like, hey, we've established that my back hurty. <laughs> and Rude is so good at selling his back. Just there, the bear hug spot is just immaculate. I love it so much. Where he's going, essentially, he's getting in a bear hug. He's selling because he's rude. He gets, to, he knows how to do it. Makes it look like it hurts like hell. But then, like as that pain is starting to subdue, and he's starting to like gather himself to like take a punch into Sasuke's face. Sasuke just 
just grips a little harder and boom, Rouge loses all progress like he's in a goddamn video game. He's like, okay, my bar's back down to zero after this man just shook me around. I was like, okay, that's amazing. I love it. But then they never really do anything with that or like slash there's nothing interesting that comes from that. Taka is literally working the back for four straight minutes with various submission holds. And I'm like, I don't, this isn't it. There's nothing going on here after the bear hug. Like Rude's not really engaged with this act and post we're done working this back. It's not going to be super important to what we're going for with the overall vibe here. So why, why bother? And I think that in other matches, maybe not in this tournament so much, but in other matches, Rude's long-term selling is one of his high points. But like you said, I think if you came in this match 11, 12 minutes in, I don't think you could tell me that they worked the back that much. Yeah. that was. I, I don't think you'd have any idea. Would not say, hey, yeah, a quarter of the match was dedicated to working Rude's back. <laughs> nah, that's not, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Like you, you're thinking of a different match, not this one. But again, Rude gets another cool finish. The, the, the knee drop is just so good. Like he Why? just crushes Am it. Am I wrong? Did he use that? Like in, in WCW or WWF? Like is he using the top from knee drop a lot? No. Not to my knowledge. Because it's really cool. It's great. It's great. Not sure it's good on your knees. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine it's great to do. But I think anyone that has any interest in watching this tournament, at the very least, watch that finish. Like it's it's awesome. Yeah. Does yeah. a knee drop to a regular knee drop and then flips around knee drop to the back of the head. It's just great. I'm like, okay, rude. You don't, you haven't earned this whatsoever to have the coolest finishes in the tournament, but <laughs> I don't know. You made a deal with the devil and you got it. Good for you. Dan, any other thoughts on this one before you get moving? No, I mean, I think, I think it, the, the finisher of death is good for the tournament because it sets up that like, here's this foreigner, you know, you know, he's killing all these guys with top row DDTs and knee drops and, you know, which of the, the two of the three musketeers that are left are going to face him in the finals. And that's our next match. Uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. It is the rematch of the 1991 G1 Climax Finals. Masahiro Chono versus Kaiji Mudo. Damn. What did you think? I am sure that if we rewatched all of the Mudo Chono matches, there are some really good ones in there. I'm not sure that this is one of them. You're not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure. I looked it up, and Dave gave it four stars, which is sure he did. Crazy, <laughs> because this is another one. This is two match Mudo matches in a row that I can tell you this was 26 minutes long. And I can tell you the file, I think, had it like 40 minutes long or something. It felt like forever. I remember thinking, like, okay, all right, I'm about to semifinals. Like, let's finish this tournament off. Let's watch this. This one I watched, didn't get the finals right away. I went to bed. Um, there's just... Again, like, it's fun because both of them are so young and so quick. So, like, that novelty wears off in the first four or five minutes, though. And then it's just the same thing over and over again, like the same mat work over and over and they go back to repeatedly. They really love to do this. Uh, what do you call it? Yakuza kick drop kick sequence. Feels like they go to that like way, way too many times. Um, it's just, and it's just not, it's not good. 
It's boring. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I think this match sucks. This is, there's nothing that happens in this match. This is I think that's what it boils down to. Nothing of value is lost. Nothing of value is gained. It's just a lot of two dudes moving around trying to uh, the the 1991 match is viewed as kind of like great match, elite top tier, great one of the, the made the best of their matches. Haven't watched it. Just that's kind of the the thought process. This is obviously not that, but they attempt to essentially redo the magic, see if they can just capture that lightning in the bottle, and they don't. It's just dreadfully boring. I don't need help, obviously, with thinking that Chono is boring. He is <laughs> not done anything for me so far. He continues to not do anything for me here. The finish, I think, really encapsulates wow, a lot of this match. I, just, I loathe it. It was not the only barrier for this tournament, but it was absolutely one of the barriers to this tournament. Where essentially Mudo, two to three times in a row, hits a standing drop kick that brings both of them down to the map, where they just like lay around for another 30 seconds to a minute at a time. And then finally, on the last one, Chono moves out of the way and locks in the STF. How many times did they do the dropkick spot? I have I have it I have it written down here. They did it 48 times. I feel like maybe that was hyperbole. It, it probably. But to say it happened <laughs> like a dozen. <laughs> so at least a times. baker's dozen. I hate I mean there's like the famous story of like Kurt Angle being mad at Eddie Guerrero for laying down, but like I was mad at these guys for laying down. I'm like get up and do something. Like it's none of it's earned. None of the the big dramatic where both dead spots are ever earned in this match. Nothing they do looks that impactful. None of the work they do have led up to this. It's just like they're having an epic because they're supposed to have an epic. And it just doesn't work at all. Yeah, that's hundred percent. That's you're told, Hey, that you got to do it again. They said, yeah, we do. And they fucked it. All right. I like I was flabbergasted when I got to the finish when I first watched it. I was like, this can't possibly be how they finish this. There's just no way. There is no drama here whatsoever. This is all of these painting with the broadest brush strokes possible. And the finish is that? At least do something that makes this feel climactic. Good gravy. Anywho. It sets it up. Sets us up for the finals. Uh, yeah, uh, August twelfth. Jono versus Rick Rude. Now this match is pretty, pretty well regarded. Like I, it's yeah, it's well thought of. I remember like when before I ordered it, like I don't. I was like, man, I gotta eventually see that because they have the, they have a match in WCW later this year that is the opposite. It's it's terrible, and you know it's talked about like you know having one of the best matches of all time, one of the worst matches of all time. So like. Going into this, I remember thinking when I recommended it, like, oh, the finals is really good. And I think the idea is, you know, Chono is the conquering hero of the Three Musketeers. And, you know, Rick Rude's finish has been put over death. And I don't think this is, this is not the semi of, of Mudo Chono. But this is an example of I maybe have too much in my head of memories and just the common belief of what this match is. 
but this is just there's no way this is whatever i you know this is not 1992 match of the year this is not an all-time match um I get it now, like to some extent. I see. Yeah, I mean, I could see where they were thinking. Oh, oh, I don't want to skip this. Did you watch the pre-match stuff? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. So you missed Rick Rude pretty casually using a slur. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, I just feel it would be really unfair not to mention it because we harped on all of the CM Punk, Ian Rotten awfulness when we covered them. So I wanted to let know, if you're watching this tournament, maybe fast forward that because he gets on the mic and I'm like, this is so cool. He's doing his act in Japan. And then he adds in a word that I would not use. (laughs) And I go, come on, Rick. So that's another thing. I, you know, I, after this tournament, I'm not really on the matches side. And then after that, you know, Mike segment, I'm not on the matches side. Nine <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not coming in with the glass half full mentality. I'm like, fuck these guys. Shono made me just watch that semifinal and Rick's using that word. You guys got to do something. Yeah. Um, we're watching this me out of context completely. That, that That's true. Maybe there's something here, but that's not how you watched it. You can't no. undo things. I, there's, there's good stuff. I think. I don't want to. I don't know if it's getting into when we're getting into. I think this is Rude's best match of the tournament, probably. I think it's fair. Definitely, I would say definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think that Chono and him mesh the best for sure. Yes. Yeah, I think everything kind of reading on the match. So yeah, Chono is the most American style of all these huge Pam heavyweights, or at least the very least, he's like the most American heavyweight of these New Japan heavyweights, and that seems to pan out here. But it, it definitely feels big, bombastic. It feels like a finals, which is not the way I felt about, I think, either of the semifinals when I really looked down at them. Like, okay, they don't feel like these important matches to set up the big one. This did. This felt like, okay, it, it earned the moment to some extent, even if I don't particularly enjoy it. And I will say, we talked a lot about a lot of the matches not meshing and there not being a story. There was, these guys clearly had something in mind, um, which like Rude being like a step ahead and like Chono just, just trying his best to, to, you know, combat the big bad foreigner. And like, there was clearly more of a story and more of, uh, more of an epic feel to this match than anything else in this tournament. And... I definitely liked it. It's just, I think I wanted to love it. I thought, you know, but I actually thought in my mind, you know, if I love it, I like the first round enough, despite the boring parts, that maybe that'll save this tournament. And it just, it wasn't at that level for me. It's not an all-timer. It's not something I'm going to revisit. You're telling me. You're telling um, me. The, what did you think of the finish? The, uh, I don't know how you describe it. Like, Rude throwing Chono on the choning, hit, Chono hitting the shoulder block. That... How'd you feel about that? I didn't feel great about it. It didn't feel like we had this whole tournament of rude hitting these killer finishes and Chono with the STF and the cradles where like, there's all this stuff to, to pull from. And it's, that's the finish. And it was very deflating. Now I will say it was not deflating for the crowd. The crowd is they're hot. insane for this match. They're, they're hot. It. So like, that's a, a big point in this match favorite. Like that keeps like this is another twenty minute match that I don't think feels slow because the crowd's into it the whole time and it, it, it chugs along. Yeah, I usually when I look think about crowds, I have never been a big proponent of like care giving all that much of a shit about what they think. 
Thank You've you. yelled at me in the past. A quote from you in, this ep- in one of these episodes is, I don't give a fuck what the crowd thinks, or I don't give a hell damn what the crowd thinks. Yeah. Something I, of that nature when I tried to, because I think I don't care unless it's a 10 or a 1, unless the crowd is molten hot or dead. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. My thing is like, I, if it, the crowd just sort of like, if it helps, it helps. If it isn't, if it doesn't, it doesn't. There are some matches like, okay, this is so dreadfully boring that it's at, it's super noticeable. This crowd's not here for it. Or even that it's like, okay, the discrepancy between this crowd and what's actually happening is jarring. Uh, or at least, Hey, a good match the crowd's into it, so it's hard to like completely divest from it in a way if the crowd wasn't completely bought in. I don't know, Dan. It's finals of the G1 Climax 1992. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? What can I tell you? Well, I'm looking at them now. This is the point in this favor. It's actually 30 minutes. Doesn't definitely doesn't feel 30. I uh, oh, you think it feels 30? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh man, I am so excited to get to the award section. <laughs> I want to know how you feel about this tournament. Oh man, <sighs> Dan, oh. should we do matches? Should we do matches tournament? I think we should. I know we're gonna have different matches. I, we're, I think we're gonna have different everything. My match of the tournament is a first round. Match. I don't. I don't know if we're gonna have different ter- different everything. We're, we'll oh, see. Okay, Chono versus Tony Helm. Jono versus Tony Hawk? I rewatched it. I rewatched it because I thought, am I crazy? No, I loved it and it's great. I also rewatched it for these for very similar reasons. This is, I, there's no way Brock Lesnar watches. This is a Brock Lesnar performance. This is a man I hate it and this is so good. And you got me feeling some type of way here. Oh man, this is the last episode of the podcast. This is interesting. This is. <laughs> I, I, I respect you, as a okay. person, not as a wrestling critic, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I do not how, know how we get there, but what I, I appreciate the passion. Me? I appreciate the passion. I just really felt there was nothing. I mean, it was. I will let you know. It was between this and Norton and Bam Bam. Nothing else. That's fair. Felt even really close to me. I had nothing that I really want to rewatch for this tournament. And that's a big factor in me in match of the tournament. It is also very funny how we are. The only matches that are also in consideration for either one of us are first round matches. Everything else is doggy dookie. Don't watch it. My match of the tournament, Keiji Muto versus Barry Windham. Oh, okay. I think this match just rocks. It's just like the epitome of what I want out of a first round matchup. It's just, absolutely tight doesn't bury the person that's going to do the job but ends up making the winner look like okay if this guy can't take him down who's gonna figure him out um it doesn't answer too many questions early on about the performer which is always interesting to me in these tournaments okay this person's not been cracked and sometimes you're like okay early on they've already been their soft puzzle then by rounds two and three, like, okay, the, the first person already answered the questions. How are we not just capitalizing on that? But this is just like, okay, you understand how Mudo kind of walked away from that, the victor, even if he didn't command most of the match. And you're like, okay, I don't know what Wyndham could have possibly done to avoid that fate. In this instance, that is not, not, 
Yeah. Not that we rate them like that, but that would have been like my third choice. It's funny because they're all, like I said, it's first round matches. Like my first three first round matches. I don't know what my fourth would be, but. Yeah, I think next up would have been Bam Bam versus Scott Norton. So that, that's the honorary. Hey, we both liked it a lot. <laughs> Matchup. Which uh, again, we like it because of a big, I mean, not this isn't all of it, but a big part of it is an accident that the the hard way. Yes, it's true. It's true. Which is not maybe speak great of this tournament. No, that we are all we're all calling out the short first round matches. I I, I don't know how short Barry Mudo was. Uh, it was probably pretty short. And then they have these big epics later on, and we we weren't even considering them. Yeah, when they try now, to overdo it, damn, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I will say this: like I am obviously, I think you can tell by listening to this, I'm a bigger Chono fan than Sam by probably a wide wow. margin. Who would have thought that? Yeah. The semifinals is why Chono was not even in consideration for worker of the tournament. I don't think you can have that match in a tournament and then be the worker of the tournament. It just doesn't. I just, how, how can I put my name on? How can I put his name on that spot? Because Dan, people will pull can't. the tournament and they, they can't. And like, I really, I struggle with it because after the first two rounds, I'm like, oh, it'll probably be Chono. I already know the, the finals is great. And this matchup is Chono Mudo. So this should be fine. No. So I'll let you know my workers came down to, of course, two men, Scott Norton and Tony Helm. And I went with Scott Norton, but Fuck after yeah. hearing the reaction, I almost changed it to Tony Helm, but it's Scott Norton. <laughs> it's Scott Norton. It's yeah, Scott it's, Norton. Okay, we ended up with one thing the we, same. We, Damn it. Okay. No, we ended up in the same, the, the crutch choice for worker of the tournament. The, yeah, Scott Norton. Like I said, like, why we were talking about it, I said, I want to rewatch Norton now. That's what I came out of this tournament thinking. Not this is so great. Not what epics is like, Oh man, Norton, you know, that does hold up. That was like, I was right for thinking Norton's on awesome. Yeah. Everyone else had performances that really disqualified them. AKA they just had one true stinker. Just damn came out of my dog. Bad. Goodness gracious. But Scott Norton just has to go out there twice and just like makes it work. Crushes at both times. And it's not just, Hey, he had good matches. Like he, it was him putting in the good performances for me. Even if like we disagree on the Chono match where he be feeling like it's kind of a carry job and you were like, okay, this is, this is both of them doing the, the damn thing where Chono is like just great as a underdog against the large brooding foreigners coming in. Even before the, my going sour on Chono be the semis, I would have said pretty easily, Scott Norton's the A side of that match. Yeah, he he's the better worker in that match. I just thought that I thought that Chono held up his end of the deal, where you did not. But I will say I'm not kidding that I always have it up as we're doing this. I highlighted Scott Norton and almost typed the T. You were so negative about the match. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I show him. Um. All right. There we go, Dan. Wait, you got to score it. What are you rating? I. I don't know if I'm being too harsh. I'm giving it a two. I'm giving it a 1.5, so I don't think oh, so. I'm not being too harsh then. Okay. I think if it takes us a full month to get to something, it's telling. That is telling. My life was was busy. It wasn't that busy, though. It wasn't, hey, we'll lose a whole <laughs> window to record because I can't fucking watch more of these matches. And I'm, I've been calling it 15 matches. It's not. It's 14, right? Because we have the forfeit. It's yes. 14 matches. 
And I'll let you know, it's not like I haven't watched wrestling during that time. Like, I've watched other, lots of other wrestling that time, never felt guilty. Some of the other stuff in the past where I'm like, oh, I want to get to the show. I'm like, I can't do that. Let me watch our tournament first. Never felt that during this month. <laughs> I thought, no, I'll get to that tournament when I physically, emotionally, mentally can. There are matches I really liked, like the Wyndham match or the Norton Bam Bam match. But there's so many bad matches, and they're so long. And these are not the greatest Norton and Linda matches you have at your disposal to the point where, okay, like, they're good matches. You could erase this tournament from existence and it would not change my thoughts on either individual or me having any level of care of what happened. We we filmed a pivot episode and that, that got mm-hmm. lost. Um and in that, I think I forgot until just now, you mentioned that we were going to talk about the formatting of this tournament. And I think we talked about length. That's important. Whereas these matches weren't spread out over four shows. If it was two shows, maybe a two night tournament, it could have been way better. But they would definitely, you would have had to cut down on the match times. You would have to do things differently. Yeah. And there's likely we don't end up with the same matches when that happens. Cause yeah. I don't think they do Chono versus Mudo if you can't do it for fucking half an hour plus. It may have actually come in last. It may have come I mean, in like 28, 25. Yeah. But you're not doing that match as the semifinals if you got to go into the finals afterwards. And the thing is, we've had stinkers in the past. Like, I think the other 1.5 is that you gave or one of us gave 1.5 is the New Japan. Oh, not the New Japan. The New Japan. The New Japan's got a curse on them. But that's Takahashi and Josh Daniels and MVP. Like, you know, like you look at that list and it's like, oh, that's Dan and Sam wanting to watch weird shit. Like, that's okay that it turned out terrible. That's on them. But I don't feel like I feel bad that I made you watch this. But like I look at that list and I go, why was this bad? How did we get here? And it's, like, I actually think the first round, there are some stinkers on there. But let's say you have a, a, a two-part DVD and your second part cracked. And the first DVD is just that first round. You could go to bed thinking, man, I bet the rest of that tournament was great. I bet it all came together. <laughs> they all, they figured it out. My goodness. They figured it out. Gracious. You, you, you still had all those heavy hitters. You still had Norton, you know, uh, Rude, Austin, Hashimoto. Like, I bet I bet the end of that tournament was awesome. How could you go wrong with all that talent? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think an older Sasuke versus this era, Terry Taylor would have been good. Oh, I would I would pay money to see that. Um. Someone that actually, like, isn't too young to feel like, oh, I will be subservient subservient to this older veteran American. Where he's like, no, fuck you. You're going down. Get out of here. Smack of the lariats. See, I think a lot of my Terry Taylor viewing is from, like, deep childhood where I liked wrestling. I don't think I even understood that there was bad wrestling when I was, like, sub-10. Like, I think wrestling was good. It was just wrestling. So, like, I didn't, like, and, like, I, he's really bad. Like, he's just really bad. And it almost makes me want to rewatch more Terry Taylor and be like, is he always really bad? But I'm not going to do that. Yeah, don't, don't make that effort. That's not worth yeah. it. That's not worth it. Dan, before we get into our plugs, do we want to mention uh, the next episode that we're going to be going over? I think we have to. It is, uh, the World Wrestling All-Stars Heavyweight Title Tournament from October 26, 2001. And I pulled it up. This is my first time pulling up the list since he first suggested it. 
featuring such superstars as, of course, Jeff Jarrett, Banana and Pajama number one, Banana and Pajama number two, and Timekeeper. So I think we are in for a good show next week. It's a little misleading, but I love it. I love it anyway. Yeah. No, it definitely is misleading, but that you know, <laughs> I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna get them to watch, watch, listen, watch it and listen, guys. Yeah, I am. Hopefully, we do not regret this one. It will be significantly shorter of a tournament than this one, which I can. I am very thankful for, Dan. I was like, no matter what you suggested or what I suggested, we were doing a one night tournament. This next episode is gonna be one night. No more four nights for right now. We are, we're moving on to a tournament. Okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be nice and breezy. We don't, we don't have to kill ourselves over. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be a good one. Dan, you want any plugs? Um, Oh, I think I plugged it on our episode didn't air. But uh, on my Twitter, which is Dan underscore Rice 88, my pinned tweet is a GoFundMe for these two girls, uh, Sailor in London, who go to the cheerleading team that my nieces go to that I'm involved in. And uh, they were in a pretty bad car wreck. They're actually both doing a lot better since we filmed that, uh, recorded that episode. Um, London is even back home and doing, you know, going to the hospital here and going to physical therapy here. But their moms do it to take off work and Sailor is still in the hospital in Cincinnati, uh, which is about three hours from, from where we are. So it's, you know, it's a difficult situation. So if you have the time, retweet it. And if you have the extra money, you know, it'd be great if you could give. Absolutely, absolutely. Give if you can, and then on a lesser note, you can follow us at WDKWPN on Twitter. Follow all of the podcast feed happenings. Listen to the recent episode with Clinton and Tim featuring Joseph Monticilio, the paid AEW shill. For your <laughs> listening pleasure, in all seriousness, Joseph did a video for the recent Ring of Honor pay-per-view to hype up Claudio Castanelli versus Eddie Kingston, which was amazing and also just just wild to have this person that you know and just respect and think the world of, you know, is incredibly talented and hardworking, be able to showcase themselves in that sort of way. He had done videos for ROH in the past, but... It is fair to assume that when AEW slash not AEW, Tony Khan purchased Ring of Honor, that wasn't the most likely thing. But thanks to one, just like his great quality of work and frankly, the, the, the help of not friend of the show, but friend of the professional wrestling community, Eddie Kingston, help get a little, little shout out. Uh, it's great to kind of see that come to fruition and hopefully we'll we'll see some more in the next go around. Uh- I'll actually real quick peel back the curtain, and uh, one obviously I love Joseph too. Everyone should listen and watch everything he does. I knew he did a 1992 video, which I watched when it came out because I watch every video he does the day it comes out. And I was like, "Oh, let me invite Joseph on the episode." And he goes, "I love Sam, love you, love to be on the episode. Don't want to watch 1992 G1 Climax again." And that should have been a sign. He 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 gave you a little heads up there. Yeah, it didn't stick in my head, but that should have been a sign of what I was getting into. You said, no, I'm good. I got this. That's it. That's where we're ending this show. Thank you all for listening. Be back next time. I'm thinking we're going to only be two weeks from now, so fingers crossed. Love you.